Welcome to the Holy Bible Study for Genesis chapter 27. This time around we talk about the sons of Isaac, Jacob and Esau, and we are going to see how Jacob went about obtaining the blessing of his father Isaac, which Isaac had intended to give to Esau, and we're going to learn why God wanted Jacob to have that blessing from the beginning, as he would be the one to continue the patriarchal line of Abraham. So there's a lot to learn in this study. I hope you all will enjoy it. And as always, God bless you all. Godspeed. Alright, so today we're in Genesis chapter 27. A very important chapter in the Old Testament. A very crucial chapter. As it's going to decide who is going to carry on the patriarchal line of the children of Israel. Now, even though they're not known yet at this time in the book of Genesis as the children of Israel, they're just known as the children of Abraham. Um, you had Abraham, then you had Isaac, and now you're going to have Jacob, because Jacob is going to be the one who's going to receive the patriarchal blessing, which God had first pronounced upon Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, I believe. When he said, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in your seed, Abraham, shall all families of the earth be blessed. Seed is the key word, because even though Abraham had many sons, and there were those like Ishmael that were older than Isaac, Isaac was the one whom God said, in Isaac shall your seed be called. So God chose Isaac. And we're going to find here in this chapter, even though going into it, if you didn't know like we do what God's going to do, and you said, okay, who is going to continue the patriarchal line, you, like Isaac here will do in this chapter, are going to have to assume it's going to be Esau, because that's just how the way things worked back in those days. The older was the one who inherited the better, the blessings. But God as we found that Jacob's birth is going to flip the script because it was pronounced over Jacob that the older would serve the younger, that Esau would serve Jacob. Isaac, I'm sure, heard that pronouncement, that prophecy, but he's thinking in his worldly mind, that's just not the way it works. So no matter how that sounds, uh, no matter if this person said they were a man of God, it can't be true because in our culture, the younger serves the older. The older is always blessed. But Isaac's going to find out that God can do whatever God wants to do. He's God, for God's sakes. Um, whomever God chooses, that's the way it is. You can't change it. Just like Isaac was chosen. So you figure he would know better. Uh, just like David, if you remember later on in the Old Testament, when they're all getting lined up by the prophet about who's going to be anointed king of Israel. David was the absolute last choice on probably anybody's list in those days. Everybody else was far more qualified to be king of Israel. And yet God chose the lowly shepherd boy to be the next king of Israel. Uh, so he's going to do it here. He's going to choose Jacob over Esau. And I've explained in the past few chapters when we've got into the stories of Jacob and Esau, why Jacob was more a man of God. He was more interested 
and longing after spiritual things and godly things, whereas Esau was more concerned with worldly things and could care less about the things of God, the blessings of God and spiritual things. So it just goes to differentiate how God looks upon uh, with favor men who seek after him, um, men who long for the spiritual rewards, the spiritual blessings, and not the worldly lusts and um, rewards of this world. So this this chapter is just going to amplify that. So again, uh, we started with Abraham. He was the first one to receive the blessing, and then he pronounced the blessing upon Isaac, and now Isaac is going to pronounce that blessing upon the third patriarch of Abraham, who is going to be Jacob. All right, so verse 1. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold now, I am old, I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray you, your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison. Before we go further, what he means when he says, I'm old, I know not the day of my death. He doesn't know the day of his death, but he knows it's coming. That's why he's saying, I'm old. And and I I have the feeling that I'm going to pass on pretty soon, so I need to give you this blessing before I pass on. So he's saying, I don't know the day of my death, but I know it's near. And also we can derive from verse 1 that he's obviously blind. At this point of his life, at this age, Isaac is now blind. And we're going to find that that is going to be the main factor in this story of the blessing given out and why it's given out to someone whom Isaac initially did not want to give it to. All right, so verse 4 Make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison, and to bring it. So, another thing we can derive here is that Isaac wrongly favored one of his sons over the other. He favored Esau. Because, you know, Esau was the hunter. Esau was the tough guy. Um, and Esau in school probably was the popular guy. And Jake was more the quiet one. And maybe the one who got made fun of or whatnot. Uh, got picked on. So Isaac is a male father favored the stronger male child, which was Esau at that time. Whereas we find that the Bible says Rebecca loved Jacob. So Jacob was, in a sense, a mama's boy, which is, there's no problem with that. I'm a mama's boy, and anybody who's not, I mean, just, I don't know how you couldn't be. You know, your mother brought you into this world. How could you not love her more than anything in this world? So uh, Jacob was the mama's boy, and Esau was favored by Isaac. So he's saying, I want to bless you. Go make me that meat that I love so much, and I will bless you before I die. But again, Rebecca heard, and so now she's going to tell Jacob. It says, verse 6, Rebecca spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard your father speak unto Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savory meat, 
that I may eat and bless you before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command you. Go now to the flock, and fetch me from there two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father, that he may eat, and that he may bless you before his death. Now a lot of people who hear this story, but don't really delve into it verse by verse like we're doing, would initially think that Jacob's to blame, that Jacob's the bad guy because he stole, quote-unquote, his brother's blessing. But in reality, it was actually Rebecca who was the one who concocted this plot. And being obedient to his mother, which a son should be, I mean, because you figure God would be for that, you go later in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother. And God talks about children being obedient to their parents. So Jacob wasn't really the one to blame if you're going to get into who was at fault here for quote-unquote robbing Esau of his blessing. It would be Rebecca. But at the same time, she also wasn't that wrong because she heard the same prophecy Isaac did in which it was spoken over Jacob and Esau that the older would serve the younger. So she here is wrong in one asset, and that she was trying to do God's work for him. She was trying to make the prophecy come to pass in her own time, in her own way. Now, would God have done it this way anyway? We'll never know. But, as I've explained in the past Bible studies, whenever you try to make a prophecy of God come to pass in your own time, try to force it to come to pass, even though you know he said this is going to come to pass, when you try and force it into existence before its own time, bad things can happen. Now, we're going to find from this that a bad thing does happen. She is not going to be able to see her son Jacob again before she dies because she's going to have to send him away because now her other son is going to want to kill him. So that, unfortunately, is the curse that she's going to bear for this. But God did allow his will to be carried out here. And the prophecy that was pronounced over Jacob is going to come to pass that he is going to get the blessing, not Esau. And this is just the way it's going to be brought to pass through this, I guess you could call it a scheme that uh, Rebecca has concocted here. So she said, go down to the flock and then fetch some goats, uh, bring them to me, I'll cook them. Uh, they're the same ones that Esau brings to your father that he loves, so we're going to make him think that you're Esau. And uh, Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. So see, even though Jacob, in the end, is going to be obedient to his mother like a good child should do, He's basically trying to tell her here, look, you know, what you're doing is risky and it's wrong because he's going to know I'm not Esau and then I'll bring a curse upon me, I'll bring a curse upon you and, and we're not going to get the blessing in the end. Verse 13, and his mother said unto him, upon me be your curse, my son, only obey my voice and go fetch me them. 
Now you're going to notice Jacob didn't argue with her anymore. After she said, obey my voice, what did he do? Verse 14, and he went and he fetched and he brought them to his mother. So he obeyed. And his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her youngest son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands, and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So if you haven't put two and two together here, she's putting Esau's clothes with his scent on Jacob, and then she's putting hair of the goats on his arms and on his neck so that Isaac, who's blind, when he asked for Esau to come near so he can feel to see if it is Esau and not quote-unquote a deceiver, he'll be able to say, okay, well, this is my son. I can. He has hairy arms. This is my son. And verse 18, he came unto his father and said, my father. And he said, here am I. Who are you, my son? So apparently, um, you know, their voices weren't identical, but they were similar. We're going to find here that Isaac is able in his blindness to still decipher who um, Jacob and Esau are through their voices. But they're still similar enough to where he's going to, in the end, believe that this truly is Esau and not Jacob. Uh, a good example of that would be, if you know twins, and I've known a few twins in my life, and for today's example, a lot of you who go to biblicalscience.com, my website, you'll find a lot of articles there by the Benham Brothers. I can't speak highly enough about these guys. I think they're two of the most godliest men on the planet today. I love them. Uh, they're great examples for all men of God. But at first... When I first came across these guys, David and Jason Benham, I mean, they were identical twins. I could not tell them apart. Didn't know who was who. But over the years, as I began to follow them and I began to hear them talk and, and you know, began to decipher their different personalities, I am now able, even though their voices sound similar, and most people seeing them for the first time would not be able to tell them apart, I can tell them apart, you know, blindfolded. I can tell you who's Jason and who's David. And that's exactly what's happening here with Isaac, is that even though they may sound alike, he's still able to tell by the slightest difference who's Jacob and who's Esau. But the problem here is, is that in his old age, he may think, okay, well, maybe I'm just not hearing it correctly because these arms I'm feeling and this neck I'm feeling, those are the arms and the neck of Esau, not Jacob. So... I don't know, maybe he thinks he's getting senile in his old age. Uh, he's going to find out in the end, though, he was right in his first doubts, but God ensured in the end that God's prophecy was fulfilled, that Jacob would be the one to inherit the blessing. Because Isaac here was in the wrong for trying to go around God's will and bless someone who God didn't want to be blessed. So God has a way of working everything out in his favor in his will, in his time. All right, so we left off on verse 19 after Isaac said, um, you know, who are you, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done according as you bade me. Arise, I pray you, 
and eat of my venison, that your soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? See, so Isaac already is starting to doubt, because he just sent Esau out probably a half an hour ago. He's like, how are you back so quick? And Jacob responded, because the Lord your God has brought it to me. And now being a family of faith, that's really all the answer Isaac needs. That's the only explanation he needs. Because God has done great things for Abraham and Isaac and their families uh, from the beginning. Miraculous things. So Isaac's going to believe that explanation. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray you, that I may feel you, my son, whether you be my very son Esau or not. So again, Isaac here, he's on to something. He knows something's up because, number one, yes, God can do great miracles for them. He's done it before. He'll do it again. It's not hard for him to bring, you know, game to Esau in a quick manner. But at the same time, this blessing is such a big deal to Isaac. He wants Esau to have it so badly that he wants to make sure he's got all his bases covered here. So he's like, before I pronounce this blessing, come here, Esau. Let me feel your arms. Let me feel your neck. Let me make sure that you truly are Esau and not someone else trying to steal Esau's blessings. So he's kind of on to someone else maybe trying to coerce Esau of his blessing here. Verse 22, And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him. And he said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So see, in his mind and with his ears, he can tell his sons apart. And he's saying, you know, who I'm hearing, this is Jacob. But the feel of his skin, his arms, his neck, they're hairy like Esau. So in my old age, I just my, my hearing must be going. So this must be Esau. Verse 23, and he discerned him not that he was Jacob, because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. And so he blessed him. Key words there. So Isaac blessed Jacob. Verse 23. So he fulfilled God's will, what God had pronounced upon Jacob, even though he was trying to go around God's will and do what he wanted to do. In the end, no matter how hard you try to go around God's will and do what you want to do, eventually it's going to catch up to you and you're going to do God's will whether you want to or not. It's all a matter of are you going to have to be pulled kicking and screaming when he does it. Okay, and now we're on verse 24, and he said, Are you my very son Esau? And he said, I am. Verse 25, and he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless you. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat, and he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and he kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him. See, he smelled that it was Esau's clothes. And he blessed him. And he said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, God give you, Jacob, of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth. Now, I'm here obviously inserting Jacob because he still thinks it's Esau. 
but that's basically who's being blessed here. Therefore God give you of the dew of heaven, and the fatness of the earth, and the plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Catch that now. This is what's going to cause Jacob to have to be sent away because of these key words in the blessing. He will be Lord over Esau. Esau will have to bow down to him. So see, that's going to cause major problems. Uh, because Esau in his mind thinks once he gets back with this venison that he is going to receive this blessing that Jacob's already having proclaimed upon him. And it's a one-time deal. I mean, this patriarchal blessing, it's not like, I mean, I say every day to people, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Um, you know, we all, Christians and Jews, bless people daily. Jesus said, you know, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who wrongfully use you and abuse you. But back in the days, in the original days, when God was setting up the line through which Jesus Christ was going to come through, this holy line of men, you know, that came through through Seth and Abel and Shem and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, David, down the line, God had to make a holy line of holy men of God. And were all of them perfect? Absolutely not. But they were all men of God in this line that led up to the Lord Jesus Christ. So God had to have it a certain way. The thing is, is that we, our blessings hold power. Any, any blessing we pronounce upon somebody in the name of Jesus Christ has power. But this specific line, this specific blessing that was spoken over Abraham and that would be spoken over all of his chosen children, his seed after him was a one-time deal. So, so basically Isaac couldn't give it to both Jacob and Esau. It could only be pronounced over one child, over what Isaac thought was the firstborn, although at birth God told him that it would be the younger. That would be the chosen seed. That's how powerful this blessing was. It was the blessing pronounced by the lips of God. So Esau is going to find it cannot be repeated. It's a one-time deal set aside for one person. All right, so where do we leave off at? Uh, let's just read verse 29 again. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be every one that curses you, and blessed be every one that blesses you. Same blessing God pronounced over Abraham. Same blessing God pronounced over Isaac. Is now being pronounced over Jacob. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. And he also had made savory meat and brought it unto his father, and said unto his father, 
Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that your soul may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who are you? Obviously, Isaac's shocked here. Because now it sounds like Esau. But he's like, hold up. I just got done blessing Esau. So who the heck are you? And he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly. Trembled. Why would Isaac tremble? Because he knows in his heart he has one blessing to give. One patriarchal blessing. And it has been given. And obviously, in his mind, he now knows, wait a minute, did I just give Esau's blessing to someone else? That's why he trembled. And he said, who? Where is he that has taken venison and brought it to me? And I have eaten of all before you came. And have blessed him. Yeah, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, See, so now Isaac knows who else is around. Who else would desire your blessing? He knew there's only one other person, Jacob. So Isaac put two and two together and he said, Your brother came with subtlety and he has taken away your blessing. And he said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Okay, a couple of things to talk about here. All right, so... When he says, is he rightly named Jacob, that's because um, there is a, there's a couple different definitions for the name Jacob in the Hebrew. One of them can mean like conniver, um, deceiver. I think even deceiver is too strong of a word. But, I mean, if you look at kind of the way Jacob's been doing things here, you know, with the pot of stew where he got um, Esau to give up his birthright, and then now he went along with Rebecca in order to um, take his blessing from him. I mean, he kind of fits those definitions. So that's what Esau means here when he said, is he not rightly named Jacob? But also the name Jacob, one of my favorite definitions of it in the Hebrew, that's why I named my little kitty Jacob, is because it actually means, may God protect him. So if I'm ever looking for a definition of Jacob, that's my favorite. Um, and let's see here. Esau said he has supplanted me these two times, took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Now, in reality, Jacob really didn't take away his birthright. He gave away his birthright for a pot of stew. So obviously, the birthright which Jacob so desired, it was something to be desired in his sight, meant absolutely nothing to Esau, because he gave it up for something as simple as a pot of stew. So he's wrong when he says that Jacob took away his birthright. He didn't, he gave it up because he could care less about it. 
And now he's saying he's taking away my blessing. Now, yes, maybe Esau wanted that blessing because he knew there was a lot of worldly riches and, and the lusts of the world that he lusted after would come with it. But he wasn't desiring the blessing for the spiritual implications of it, for the spiritual consequences of it, like, like Jacob wanted it for. He wasn't desiring it to be a man of God and to be close to God like Abraham and Isaac were. And God knew that. God knew what kind of man he would be before he even came forth out of the womb. So, in reality, Esau, God knew, wasn't going to be the chosen one. He wasn't going to get the blessing. And I think God actually wanted Jacob to have the birthright also. God worked everything out. Now, Jacob, maybe the way he went about taking the birthright, maybe God didn't want that to play out the way it did. And the way Rebecca here deceived Isaac, maybe that's not the way God wanted this whole situation to play out. But God made sure that in the end, no matter what, his will was done. He allowed it because it's what he had willed anyway. But again, now, when you do things outside of God's will, bad things are going to happen. And we're going to find that because of these things Jacob has done, now his brother's going to want to kill him for years and years and years. And then, unfortunately, Jacob's not going to be able to see his mother before she dies. Okay, so here in verse 36, Esau then finishes with, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him your Lord. Uh-oh. That's not something Esau is going to want to hear. And all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto you, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. See, Esau doesn't understand the way things work with patriarchal blessing. He's thinking his dad can just go ahead and bless anybody he wants to. But Isaac knows, that's why he trembled. Because he knew he had one blessing to give, and he gave it. And it wasn't to the son he initially wanted to give it to. Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his eyes and his voice, and he wept. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, your dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth, and of the dew of heaven from above. And by your sword shall you live. And shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you shall have the dominion that you shall break his yoke from off your neck. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing. Wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. So, at this time, Esau wants to kill Jacob now. But because his father is on his deathbed, and Isaac is dying, is going to pass any day now, he is going to spend the remaining time with his dad, and then he's going to grieve for him after his death. And then he says in his heart, Then, after the time of grief is passed, and mourning is passed, I am going to kill my brother. All right, and these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah. 
And she sent and called Jacob her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, your brother Esau, as touching you, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee you to Laban, my brother, to Haran. Now, Laban, if you remember, we had already read about this character. This was um, of the descendants of Abraham and, and Sarai, um, and of their uh, fathers and mothers, um, Terah. And Rebecca was Laban's sister, whom Abraham had sent his servant to acquire for his son Isaac. So this is close family. Laban, we've heard of him before, and we're going to hear about him again because he's so connected to this family. Not only was Rebecca, his sister, married to Isaac, but now his two daughters are going to both be married to Jacob in the future. So we're going to read a lot more about this Laban character. Uh, she said, Flee you to Laban, my brother, to Haran. Tarry with him a few days until your brother's fury turn away. Now, even though she said a few days, a few days here is not what it turned out to be. It turned out to be a few years, if not more, before Esau's anger would ever subside. And that is why when Jacob finally does return, his mother by that time would have passed away. She said... Until your brother's anger turn away from you, and he forget that which you have done to him, then I will send and fetch you from there. Why should I be deprived also of you both in one day? What she means by that there, deprived of you both in one day, is because Esau... Um, was again, he was a daddy's boy. He wasn't a mama's boy. And I'm sure somehow he put two and two together and figured, well, Jacob needed help with this. Who cooked the venison for Isaac? So he probably said, you know what? My mom was in on this. I'm done with her, blah, blah, blah. So he basically rebelled against his mother. And he basically today, like if you have families that argue and fight a lot and are very worldly, and they don't really follow the Holy Bible and Christian or Jewish lifestyles. And, um, you know, a, a dad and a son will get into a fight. And the father will say, you know, I disown you. You're not mine. Leave my house. I want nothing to do with you. Or, you know, an older son and a father, they get in a big fight and argument. And, um, you know, they say, I'm never going to talk to you again. I want nothing to do with you. That's basically what's happening here is Esau is disowning his mother. He's saying... Woman, you stole my blessing from me. I want nothing to do with you. You've always favored Jacob since he was born. Never cared about me. I'm done with you. Blah, blah, blah. So that's what she means by deprived of both of you in one day. Because she basically, in doing that for Jacob, she pushed Esau further away and pretty much pushed him away for good. Whereas Jacob, if he were to be killed also she'd have nothing left. So she sends him away. And Rebekah said to Isaac, 
I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these, which are the daughters of a land, what good shall my life do me? This is another reason why we know that Esau had a problem with his mother, Rebekah, and Rebekah had a dislike for her child Esau and his behavior and the things he did was because we find here that she wanted the family to keep with their own. She wanted her son to marry another Hebrew. She didn't want her son to marry one of the daughters of the land who at that time were um, of that day what we would call Arabs um, or maybe Africans or whatnot. They, um, you know, the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Amorites and the Amalekites, etc. Um, they were not of God. They worshipped false gods, the Canaanites. You know, they were abominable. They sacrificed their children to the gods. They burned their children alive. They buried their children in the sand as sacrifices to their false gods, such as Baal, who today is Allah. Um, and the followers of Yahweh, who were the descendants of Abraham, they obviously didn't do those abominable things. They did holy things, righteous things. Um, they lived righteous lives, most of them, for the most part. Obviously, there were bad seeds, as we're going to find Esau is. But for the most part, they were all godly men and women, respectable men and women. And so it really bothered Rebecca when she saw either of her sons around the daughters of the land, these daughters of Heth, because she feared that they would, like God will mention later on in the Old Testament, for the children of Israel to not take wives of the daughters of the land because he said they will deceive your sons to worship false gods and to turn against me and to blaspheme me and to commit abominable deeds in my sight. So here, I'm sure that's what Rebecca's thinking. If Jacob takes a wife of one of these Hittites, Hethites, then he is going to basically dishonor his birthright. He's going to dishonor you, his father. He's going to dishonor me, his mother. And in turn, he's going to dishonor God and the blessing that's been bestowed upon him. So I do not want him to take a wife or the daughters of Heth. But you're going to notice Mr. Esau, Mr. Bad Seed, he purposely takes wives of the daughters of a land just to tick off Rebecca just to spite her. So that's why, again, God knew before they were both born who would be the righteous son, who would be the unrighteous son. And that's why God chose Jacob. So Rebecca says, If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these, which are the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? So Isaac's going to agree with her, and they're going to both say goodbye to Jacob and send him off to Laban, her brother, in Haran. That'll do it for Genesis chapter 27. Next time, we're going to read some more about Jacob and his journey to his mother's homeland, Rebekah. And we're going to read about him having an experience with the Lord, just like his forefather Abraham and his father Isaac had had with the Lord.
we're going to learn that God is going to repeat the same promises and covenant that he made with and spoke to Abraham and Isaac unto Jacob. So proving that Jacob is the one whom God wants to continue that patriarchal line of Israel. So the forefathers of Israel will forever be known as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not Ishmael, not Esau, not anybody else. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I'm going to talk a lot about that next time, so tune in. And until then, my friends, as always, God bless you all.